Welcome to the Biz Bros Podcast. Another very exciting episode for our listeners. Again, we have got paired with a very cool guest. We both, all three of us, have in common uh, portrait photographers in our past. So there may be some kind of photography um, metaphors in there. So get ready for that. But today we have Jeffrey Shaw. He's a small business consultant, host of the top-rated podcast, Self-Employed Life, and author of The Self-Employed Life in Lingo. And his TEDx Lincoln Square Talk is featured on TED.com. Oof. That's pretty cool. Also, for more than three decades, Jeffrey has been one of the most sought-after portrait photographers in the U.S. His portraits have appeared on Oprah Winfrey Show, People, O Magazine, and Hang at Harvard University. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Having been self-employed his entire life, Jeffrey is here today to share personal development, the need to increase their capacity for success. I skipped a line there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeffrey is passionate about helping business owners gain far more control over business and destiny than they ever had before. Jeffrey, welcome to the show. We are very excited to have you. Oof. Right. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Thank you for having already, me. Already jaw dropped on your portrait yeah. work. Did not realize <laughs> your work has been featured in so many places. Yes. Wow, that's amazing. Wow. Well, I'm going to be talking about that. I think <laughs> that might be just a good way to introduce the show. So, Jeffrey, tell us a little bit more about your background as we kick things off, uh, about who you are, a little more, again, about your background, and then we will hear about some of those accolades with the people that you've worked with from a portrait standpoint. Well, you know, as you said, we, what, the thing we have all in common, which is so cool, because I don't, I don't come across too many photographers that have, have you know, broken mm-hmm. out of the industry, if you will. Um, so I find that really exciting to, to meet you guys and you have a pass as a portrait photographer. So myself, I've been a portrait photographer. So I'm on location, family portrait photographer uh, for 36 mm-hmm. years. So I photograph entirely on location. Uh, I carved out a, a very unique business for myself. Uh, the, the background story is that I, I went away to photography school for a year at 20 years old and returned to my hometown. Now, I grew up in a small country town in upstate New York. Uh, at least at that time, it was a very small country town. And uh, it's just a couple hours north of New York City, but uh, a very different, you know, very different lifestyle, sure. lower socioeconomic group. And I went back to that town thinking I was going to be a you know, a hot shot portrait photographer <laughs> charging a lot of money. Um, you know, charging a lot of money because I think what we do as photographers has a really high value. And I and I think there's a bigger lesson in that for everybody, not just portrait photographers, mm-hmm. but actually valuing what you do. You know, really mm-hmm. seeing what you do is being, um, you know, life-changing for people or, or uh, of great value. And, and I really held that. So with that comes a correlation with charging a certain amount of money. It's relative to how much you charge because I was charging what I felt was a lot of money for that area uh, because I wanted to be perceived as not just high quality, but okay. valuing myself and my work. The problem was the area I was in didn't agree with me. <laughs> so after three years of struggling, uh, you know, I had a failing business on my hands and I was 23 years old and you know, I still had some financial commitments, but the bigger problem was this was my dream. This is all I knew how to do. It was the only skill set I had. I wasn't prepared or equipped to go away to university. My family didn't have the means to, to send me to college. So I had to make this work. So there was there was definitely a drive. And what I did is I you know, I kind of turned inward, which is where my ideas around self-employed life, my my recent book come from, is that every stage of my business that I have grown. I have first turned inward. I first have developed myself to say, what about me needs to change to live up to the next level of business? All right. So I turned to myself first and said, you know, who am I? What do I value? Who will love that? 
And what I discovered is that I was really meant to serve affluent families. And I say meant because I got them. I understood their values. Mm. I didn't know their lifestyle. So then I set about studying their behaviors for three months by studying high-end brands that the customers I wanted to serve right. went to or bought from. I studied the behaviors of people that went there to unpack the psychology and behavior of affluent market that I knew nothing about. That led me now to a 36-year career uh, that's been stellar, way beyond my dreams. And uh, here we are today. I'm writing books and speaking professionally, et cetera. <laughs> So, so what was like yeah, the, I got a lot of questions. Well, <laughs> no, no. what was like the tipping point of like educating others, you know, going from, okay, like you've had this amazing, fruitful portrait mm -hmm. photography business that continues to grow. But what was it, the tipping point where you're like, okay, I'm going to change it up a little bit. I want to help others get to where I am and control their lives and control their business and really show like that anything is possible with mm -hmm. the right you know principles and systems in place. You know, as it often is with change, there's a convergence of a few things. Um, one was I had had a coach for seven years who retired. Mm. And I just mm. found having a coach to be an invaluable experience. And I hired a coach, you know, back in 1999 when it wasn't even talked about. But mm. I hired a coach at my peak years, you know. So it wasn't that I was looking out for, for help. I knew that there was still – there was – I knew that there was more in me than even what was showing up. Even though those were peak earning years, I was doing really well as a photographer. Quite honestly, I found, you know, it a bit lonely, you know, to reach a certain level of success and, sure. and um, you know, not be able to discuss certain things with your employees and also trying to protect mm -hmm. your private life so you're not bringing it home. So it ended up being kind of lonely. So having a business coach really addressed that. But I also felt without a doubt, as well as I was doing, I was capable of doing even better. So I loved working with a coach. And when he retired after seven years of working together, it was such a, a gaping hole in my life that I decided to <laughs> fill that hole by doing for others what he did for me. So I started, uh, I sought out coach training. I've received over a thousand hours of training as a coach. Um, I've never stopped training, receiving training as a coach. And, um, and then, you know, people in the industry, photo industry started coming to me and asking me to speak. Uh, I had been, I had, to be honest with you, I had been very quiet about the level of success I had achieved in the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I started opening up about that, that's when people got curious, like, well, how the yep. hell did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> so then I started, you know, speaking at associations, et cetera. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. What are some of the traits that you've picked up along the way that you, you see these affluent families, you said you studied them for a series of years. What are some of the things that you doing your studies? What did you pick up about them? And then I have another question that peels off of that, but let's start there. Yeah. So really, the, everything I learned is the impetus for my first book, which came out in 2018 called Lingo. You know, and what I wanted to, I wanted to help all businesses, not certainly not just photographers. I wanted to help all businesses of different industries and all socioeconomic groups that they're serving and all geography, you know, all uh, geographical locations with this concept of understanding the lingo of the customers you serve. Now, what I mean by lingo is it's kind of the unspoken emotions. When you truly understand somebody's lingo, it's as if you know what they need more than they know what to ask for, right? Mm -hmm. So when you really understand somebody's, let's put it, let's flip it the other way. When you feel like somebody understands your lingo, you feel like they totally get you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I wanted to understand my customers so well that they felt like I understood, even though I didn't come from their world, 
but with with authenticity and honesty and and genuine desire to understand people, I felt that a deep connection could be made. So there were so many things that I learned. I mean, that that in the big sense is what I learned. What I learned more than anything is that no matter where you are today, wherever mm -hmm. it is that you want to go and who you want to serve, it's up to you to do the work. You know, mm -hmm. I actually I actually speak a lot in HR human resources events, and I help companies recruit better employees, their dream employees. Mm. It's the same problem, right? The same problem is, is that employers aren't taking the time to understand the mindsets and values of a younger workforce. It's not the younger worst workforce that's entitled or has an attitude. It's the people right. that are employing, not doing the work to understand their values. <laughs> Right. So it's the oh. same idea. It's like the, anytime people don't get along, it's a communication gap. And a lot of people don't want to do the work. So that was the biggest thing I learned. Of course, there's nuances to the market I learned, like, you know, learning certain things about the way affluent people tick. Um, yeah. You know, that and that became that becomes the nuances of, of mm -hmm. how you serve them. Wow. And then the second part of that question is what personality traits do you possess that you feel like blended really well with working with that segment or that niche? Yeah. So personalities that you can call out that might work or mm -hmm. might have worked well and led to that success? I, I love that question because I think it can serve so many people to get what I'm about to say <laughs> is yeah. that the truth of the matter is some of you, you know, and this is a really big thing for artists. The reason most artists or you know, we can broaden that probably say almost anyone. The reason people don't charge their full value is because they don't see value in what comes easy to them. Mm. We somehow are wired to get paid for hard work, you know, and as photographers, I'm sure you would relate that I would coach photographers that were wedding photographers charging tons of money because weddings are hard and they're stressful. They would want to get out of the wedding business and become portrait photographers because they loved what I did. You know, they loved the fact I did a few shoots mm -hmm. a week and, you know, we're making a lot of money. So they wanted some and they wouldn't want to charge as much because it didn't seem as hard. Like it's mm -hmm. not about hard. It's about value. Right. right? Yeah. So the, and the hardest thing for people to see in themselves is what comes easy to them. Mm -hmm. So one of the exercises I do with my coaching clients is I have them make a list of compliments that they've heard throughout their life anything and everything and pay most attention to the compliments you just want to brush off. Mm -hmm. So oddly mm -hmm. enough for me, the compliment that I got in touch with that people have repeatedly commented on throughout my life that served affluent people the best is I am ridiculously organized and responsible. I'm always three steps ahead of everybody. You know who loves that? Affluent people, mm -hmm. right? Because they're meticulous. Their homes right. are impeccably decorated. Mm -hmm. I also am always leading the way. You know, they don't have to worry about whether whether their greeting card's going to go out on time. They don't have to worry about the condition of the portraits I'm shipping to their grandmother right. because they know me and they know that nothing is going to go through without it being perfect. I'm so detail-oriented. So it's a personal characteristic that I ended up leveraging mm. for the people that I served that had a high value to them. That's such a good answer to that question, by the way. Hopefully that's a huge takeaway for most people. Yeah. Uh, like really like be ahead of your market. Like know yeah. what they want, know what they need, and make sure the expectation is there so they don't have to think twice. Yep. <laughs> and kind of like you alluded to, it's kind of like running a business. Understanding before you get into the business, you're understanding the consumer behavior. Right. Doing a nice deep market analysis is a good business to go into. And then you go into it. Same thing here. Know your audience, know your consumer. And they're up with yeah, I, I'd love to expand on that. The, the reality is businesses are built backwards. 
right? Inherently, mm-hmm. businesses are built backwards because people build the business. And I this is the mistake I made with my photography mm-hmm. business in my hometown. People build the business they want, and then they run around for years trying to fit people into the box they built. It's called marketing. It's called marketing yeah. at people. That's not the right way to build it. The right way right. to build a business is have it a business idea. Make sure it's a marketable idea. Make sure it's meaningful to you because you're going to be in it for the long haul. Being self-employed is not, not you know, for the faint of heart, right? So you want to be in it for the long haul and then do the work. Do the work mm-hmm. to understand the people you're going to serve and then build the box that they already want. And then they'll jump in. It, it It's shockingly easy to be in business after that because people are like, oh, this is, they feel like their business is built for them and your brand message this is how I, this is how I developed my, my, my brand around right. my business around being a brand message consultant. Because then you need the brand message that speaks to that customers to let them know that, hey, I built this for you. They're in. Beautiful. <laughs> work, work of art there. So, um, <laughs> As you uh, do your uh, coaching and, and kind of consulting, do you kind of find your another photographer production kind of agency area, or do you work with all kind of different um, walks of business? All different. Uh, okay. I probably, you know, nowadays I probably le- work the least amount with photographers. Okay. Um, you know, and I'll be honest with you as to why. It's the few photo. It's and and I say this because I ho- I would love to see a change. It's the it's the. Uh, there are very few photographers that have built a successful, financially successful business for themselves that they can afford to hire somebody like me. And that's a shame. I see that. Right? That is, mm-hmm. I mean, that's as brutally honest as I could be. And I've never right. been that honest before, ever, I don't think publicly to say the reason I don't coach as many photographers as I used to is because oh. they're not in a financial position to invest right. at, at the way my rates have grown. And that's right. a shame. Right. right. So I'd love to see that change. So it's like if, if they had, if they knew how to use that creative potential into the business aspect rather than just the camera, it, yeah, that's the fine line. Yeah. And so, yeah, go ahead. Uh, oh, I was just going to kind of start diving into the, the nuts and bolts of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So as a business owner, things can get chaotic, things mm-hmm. get crazy. And it can be really difficult to kind of step back because you're in the chaos. It can be really hard to like, lay everything out and see how can I control this better? And I know that's kind of one of your key focuses and what you teach people. So let's kind of start kind of diving into that. I'm a business yeah. owner. Things are chaotic. Things are good. Things are yeah. bad. Up and down roller coaster. How do you get out of that and start to control the kind of your future destiny of what the business is going to be? Yeah. And that's everything. I mean, that is the entire basis of my new book, The Self-Employed Life. And this is such a unique book. It truly is because, you know, no one's ever written a book like this before. I, when I when I had the idea for the book, which suddenly became a very obvious idea because mm-hmm. that's all I've ever known. I've actually never received a paycheck. I've never had a traditional job. I've been self-employed since 14 years old. Like mm-hmm. I don't know how it took me so long to see the obvious, right? This is what <laughs> I how I can, this is how I can help the world. Yeah. And when I did my due diligence and went on Amazon and and uh, searched for self-employed books or books for self-employed, they were all about taxes, like oh. lowest on our lowest on our priorities, right? right. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're boring about taxes. This book needed to be written to address the problem that I had seen for decades. Every time I've ever asked anybody who's self-employed, why they became self-employed, everybody has the same answer. You know, everybody has the same answer. It's it's some variation of, I went into business for myself because I wanted to control my future. 
Just going to say yep. I work for myself. <laughs> right. It's Everybody says the same thing. I wanted to control my future. I want to control my destiny. Yep. I want to control the hours I work. And to which right. I look at them and saying, how's that going for you? Right. <laughs> right. And the Boy. fact of the matter is, there's this myth of self-employment that we're going to control our future without re recognizing we're stepping into uncontrollable circumstances. Mm -hmm. I mean, the economy is going up and down, market trends change, yep. competition, technology changes. And now we know that there can be an occasional pandemic to turn the world upside down that we didn't know about a year and a half ago. Right. So the mm -hmm. world is uncontrollable. Here's the solution. And that's what my book, The Self-Employed Life is about. The only thing you can control is the environment for the results you want. And I give you the tools to create the correct environment that will give you the greatest chance for your success possible. We can't control the circumstances, right. but if you control the environment, if you have everything set up the way it needs to be set up in what I call a self-employed ecosystem, you greatly increase your chances of, of success because you've got all pieces working. And I call it an ecosystem because there's no different. It's a business ecosystem, no different than an ecosystem in nature, right? Anytime something is off in an ecosystem in nature, it can destroy the whole ecosystem. It's like a fish tank. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Invasious, invasive, invasive species or right. ocean water is too warm, killing coral reef. Anytime here in my in Florida, we're having a problem with these enormous pythons in the Everglades that are like completely shifting and possibly destroying the, the natural environment of the Everglades if they don't get rid of these pythons. So they we have python hunters trying to scoop them out of there. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Same thing in business. What's yeah. the invasive species in your business that's putting it at risk? That's the question. And you need to look at how the environment is set up. So without giving away your book, of course, yeah. what is like one example of yeah, a piece of the environment question, right? that needs to be like, just to get everybody in like the right yeah. mindset? Like, what's Absolutely. So let me give you the first, I'll give you the, uh, the triad, right? So it's a th there's three main elements of the ecosystem. Okay. Just like, you know, again, in nature, you've got oxygen, you've got water. There are certain requirements of a mm -hmm. thriving ecosystem. Well, in the self-employed ecosystem, you have to have personal development, mm -hmm. right-sized business strategies. And I should really stress the right size nature because that's important because much, much of the business, if not most of the business world is very transactional. When you're self-employed, there's a 99.9% .9 chance that your business is relationship-based. And when you're mm -hmm. in a relationship-based business and not a transactional business, almost everything has to be flipped upside down. The world mm -hmm. is not doing it for you. You need, you know, somebody like me has to come along and tell you right. almost everything you're doing has to be flipped upside down. All right. So for example, how Absolutely. many businesses give discounts for new customers, right? And not the existing customer. When you're in a relationship business, that's disastrous. You need to give a discount to your existing customers way before you make an offer to attract new customers. You're going to piss off your entire already. Yeah, right. You're going to piss. You're going to ruin the relationship. So, right. personal development, right size business strategies, and the last piece are daily habits that create consistent mindsets. Oh, that's probably. I, mean, I actually provide. Um, yeah, I have a Venn diagram. I have videos on this that actually offer the the symptoms and what's the solution. Now, inherently, hardworking people are, are pretty strong on the business strategies. Doesn't mean they're doing the right business strategies. We need to correct that. But they're they're by nature pretty hardworking. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people get the idea they need to put more effort into their personal development nowadays. Now, mm -hmm. I don't know that they're doing the right type of personal development. So again, I think some changes need to be made there. Almost everybody 
is extremely weak on consistent daily habits that create consistent mindsets, <laughs> right? We all say we want them. We all say we do them now and then, but there are certain practices that don't take up more than 15 minutes, 20 minutes a day that doing them on a consistent basis rewires your brain to enable you to just stay, you know, stay consistent so that the ups and downs that are inherent in self-employment don't derail you. And that's the, so anytime a piece of that ecosystem is off, there's literally a symptom I can see. Like I'll, I'll tell people if you, if you feel like you're all over the place, which mm -hmm. I hear a lot, yep. if you feel like you're all over the place or you're working really hard and hardly getting ahead, it's because mm -hmm. you're putting it, you're putting in a disproportionate amount of effort, hard work and hours disproportionate to your personal right. development. You haven't unblocked limiting mindsets. You haven't increased the capacity of what you think you deserve. You don't have your business set up for the right systems for a place for all that hard work to fit. So you're just, it's like pounding into a wall. Wow. That was huge. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. That was yeah. so yeah, impactful. The daily habits speak hard. Like that's, yeah. if you're not practicing on yourself and working towards that, towards that ecosystem every day, you're, <clears throat> you're just shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. I know that I feel that too. I try to hit the, try to be in the gym every morning and the days I don't, I'm not in the gym is a habit that I have. I'm, I feel thrown off. I don't feel as focused. Yeah. And I, I, that's just one small little thing, but I definitely see what you're saying about that ecosystem being thrown off. Then the kind of the rest of your day can kind of go sideways. Yeah. So when you start working with someone, do you kind of just dissect, do you kind of like see exactly what, cause I would imagine yeah. the way you work is probably through what kind of the system you've created. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of like dive in there and kind of see, like on a daily basis, what they need improvement on or how, how does that kind of work? So there's, um, first is about getting clear on, and this is again, turning your world upside down. It's not, yeah. I don't focus initially on getting clear on where they want to go. I focus mm -hmm. first on getting clear on what they want to get away from. I have been oh. studying motivation for years. And yeah. what I have, the conclusion I've come to is that the reason people don't see change through if you want to change something in your life, you want to increase your business. The reason people don't see it through is because there isn't enough grit and motivation in a dangling carrot. There just isn't enough substance to a goal and a direction you're going in to keep you engaged. What keeps people engaged is getting real and clear, really clear on what the hell they want to get away from. If you're tired of being broke, if you are sick and tired of not having enough, that will kick you in the ass and that's what will get you going. And that has a lot more wind in the sails than where you're going. So I actually start with what is it that you are sick and tired of? What is, why did you come to me? What is the change you want in your life that you do not want to see again? We get clear on that. Then we look at what's the path forward to that. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I actually, I, I keep my clients energetically in this space of what they want to get away from. I bring them back there when I need to. It's like, do you remember how that felt? You don't mm -hmm. want to go back there, right? So, you know, again, having studied motivation for years as a coach, this is a really effective formula to get that, in order to get that wind in the sails behind right. you is to really get clear on what you want to get away from, that the, the change that you really want in your life. I love it. So that you can set a plan forward to, to move forward. 
So I start there. And then after about a month, I have a very specific three month, uh, what I call small business coaching program. So it's a very mm -hmm. specific goal. So the first month is sort of that work. At the end of that month, we analyze specifically what each individual person's business need. Is it brand messaging? Is it a, a marketing plan? Is it social media? I mean, is it a new website? Right. I have the capacity to help and all. And usually it's more, it's a couple of things. It's a few right. things. And then uh, we spend the next two months fixing that part of the mm -hmm. ecosystem. Now, what I didn't mention is in the first month, we also set up their daily habits Mm -hmm. so that I can check in with them every single phone call. We have a, we have an assessment chart. How are you doing this? So that by the end of the three months, okay. those habits are pretty ingrained and they're going to stick with right. them. Wow. That's powerful. That is huge. Um, the first thing I thought about when you said getting away from the things that you, that you don't want to be a part of, um, is that scene in Wolf of Wall Street <clears throat> where he's, he's, have you seen that movie? I have not. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm not even going to go there, but <laughs> where he talks about, um, are you behind on your mortgage? Good. Pick up the phone and start dialing. So he's like saying like, I do not want, and here's a solution to that. Right. Um, yeah. I'd highly recommend watching that, at least that one scene, if you haven't seen it, because it speaks exactly to what you just said. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I agree with that. And you know, I, I, it's an idea I've had for the longest time, again, in observation of what keeps people motivated. And I, here's how the idea really solidified for me is I, I living in Miami, uh, my partner and I, we see kayak constantly, mm -hmm. okay. almost every weekend. Yeah. And I started noticing there's so many business metaphors in kay kayaking, right? There's the whole idea of going, you know, you can, you can, it's great when you're, you're going in flow. It's great when you're going with the current. We all love being we all love being in flow and going with the current in life, especially in business. Um, but you know what? The next most effective thing is to hit the current head on. The worst yep. case scenario is when the tip of your kayak is slightly off current because you're going to get beat to the side, right? <laughs> so you either have to be in current, in flow, or you're hitting it straight on. Mm -hmm. And what I learned is I'm the front guy in the kayak. And what I learned is that if my partner stops rowing we almost sit we almost stand still particularly in a rough current because and it, and it literally metaphorically is like everything in your life that you're dragging behind you because the fact matter is as the front guy of the kayak i'm pulling and i realize how hard it is to pull like just the law of physics it's really hard to pull something along with you when all the weight is behind you yep what i also discovered is that if i could stop rowing and we, we stay almost on the same trajectory. Why? Because it's easier to push forward. Mm. And that got me to really comparing that to the root of motivation is the first you need that push off in order to keep going. So it's always been a theory I've held, but actually kayaking solidified just physically looking at the laws of physics and, and, and current. Mm -hmm. um, it really solidified the idea for me. That is so cool. That is like amazing. Analogies like that and metaphors. That's and phenomenal. it's cool because it speaks to you. Like it was in, yeah. like you 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 were in the moment and mm -hmm. noticed it. It wasn't just like some metaphor you picked from the. Like, yeah. That is so cool. That is very yeah, and there's cool. so many you know so many metaphors with business with kayaking. Right. So the other thing is again you know, we're out in the middle of the ocean. So <laughs> there's you know there's an usually an island we like to go to in the distance because we can pull up the kayak and and swim. But in order to get there, rarely is a straight line. 
-hmm. It's almost a long archway around the side in order to hit the either be with the current or be against it. Because if we try to go in a straight line, there's a good chance we're not in line or against the mm -hmm. current, which means we're going to be get it's so much more exhausting. And again, great metaphor for business. Rarely will you get to where you want to go in a straight line. It's probably going to feel like a diversion or a curve mm -hmm. outward. But that is actually going to help you stay more either with the current or against the current, but you're going to get to where you want to go better. Totally. And peeling off of that, there's a lot of unknown factors in the ocean that could happen during your journey. Like you said before, the pandemic, you don't really know what the environment has to hold. That's a that's another way, I think. Yeah. That could yeah. happen. As we before we wrap up here, Jeffrey, for our listeners, and in, in the intro, we kind of touched on it. Can you tell us a little bit about the interaction with Oprah and how that <laughs> was? Yeah. So what happened there is um and she's awesome, by the way. Uh I had I had, I did a, some family portraits for uh, a journalist, an NBC journalist named David Bloom. Now, gosh, what year? I don't even know if I can un figure out what year. I think it's like 2010 or so. But at that yep. time, David Bloom was an NBC anchor, uh, morning show. I mean, he was very well known. And mm -hmm. um, I had just done their portrait. He and his family. I did their portrait. He had three beautiful daughters. Uh, I did the portrait in October. And that following April, he died covering the war in Iraq. Mm -hmm. And what he died from actually was uh, from having been confined in the tank for so long, he created a blood clot and the blood clot traveled to his lungs. And being in the middle of a desert, they couldn't get help to him quick enough. He's 39 years old, incredibly young. Um, now, you know, if the, if the blood clot had formed, you know, and he'd be in a situation they could have gotten help more immediately, who knows, maybe his life would have been saved. So since I had just done these portraits and his wife adored the portraits I created for them, she insisted that th they be the photographs that were used to pay tribute to David. So the morning he died, I, I literally saw the news. I saw the, the report. I got up early on a Sunday morning. The report on the news is David Bloom died. Almost immediately, my phone rings and it's his wife on caller ID. Uh, I pick it up. And of course, you know, it's a incredibly rough time for her. And she just says, we need to get you to NBC. Would you be willing to, you know, provide the photographs? I said, don't even think about it. So NBC, uh, picked me up in Connecticut, got me down to the studio. I provided the photographs. Uh, Oprah picked up the whole story. She oh. thought that was a very, you know, heartbreaking story. She had, she wanted to have David's wife on the show. Again, David's wife insisted that my photographs be the one featured on the show in between, you know, uh, as they featured on the show. Oprah's team calls me and wants to use the photographs. And, um, you know, of course I'm going to say yes, but they said, well, we don't pay. And I'm like, well, Oprah can get away with not paying, but yeah. would you provide, um, an airline ticket? Would you provide travel, all travel expenses covered for me and my mom? So I figured I wanted to, yeah. to make my mom happy. So they did, they yeah. covered a whole trip for me to take my mother out to the taping of the show. Um, had, two great conversations with Oprah before the filming and then uh, after the show. And she's wow. everything you'd expect her to be. She's just fantastic and dynamite. And um, wow. yeah, and then the show, those photographs are picked up. She used them again in the, the O Magazine. And then uh, People Magazine did two photo shoots. And again, David's wife asked that I do all the photography. So I did all the photography for uh, mm -hmm. two different uh, publications for People Magazine as well. Wow. Oh That's amazing. Thank you again for sharing that. That was yeah. An incredible story. Well, <laughs> that being said, yes. um, if there was one thing uh, for our listeners to take away that you hope that 
people ingrown from your message in a few minutes? What is that typically? What is it you want them to understand? Yeah. You know, uh, the, the, the people I care the most about are self-employed business owners. And, and I separate that from small business. I separate that from entrepreneurship. You know, to me, self-employment is its, is its own thing. You know, it's, it's us. It's our, us, us brave souls that choose to put ourselves on the line, work really hard, put our, you know, maybe our name behind it or our reputation behind something. I, I cannot tell you, I mean, I get emotionally moved at, at the impact that has on me because I think it is, I think self-employment is an incredible, incredible thing. And that's why I wrote this book. I wrote this book as people are describing it now as the Bible for self-employed business owners. There's never been anything else like it. I want it to serve as a resource guide. The thing that I want, I mean, there's so much that I want. I, I want, I want self-employed business owners to, to, to kill it. I want them to rock it. I want them to have the lives they want. I want them to make business decisions based on how they want to live first. But I start all of that by saying, if I could say one thing at this point, this book is a mission for me because I want self-employed business owners to be proud that they're self-employed. When people <laughs> ask you, what do you do? Say, I am a self-employed business owner. Because right. it is worthy of respect. Yes. It tells people who you are, what makes you tick. It lets them know right. you've got grit and resilience. <laughs> it's a badge of honor to say I'm self-employed. Yeah. And I'd love to see more people use that right. more so than small business, more than anything. Just say, own it. I'm self-employed right. and be proud of it. Oh my gosh. I love that. Incredible. So where can people find you, find your new book, follow you in your journey, maybe reach out for coaching? Where's the best place? So um, actually, and there's a, I have a tool available, which they can, uh, anybody can get at selfemployedassessment.com. Oh. Um, and this is new. This is actually an, a customized algorithm, oh, which wow. is going to enable people to answer a few questions. The algorithm will let you know where in the ecosystem you need, you need to do work. Oh, so wow. they can get that at selfemployedecosystem.com. It's incredibly powerful. I'm so proud of that. Um, I would start there. Because okay. that will lead you to everything cool. else. So selfemployedassessment.com. If you want more specific information about the book or anything else that I do in support of self-employed business owners, uh, you can also go to the, sel the selfemployedlife.me. Uh, mm. But I would start with the assessment because I think it's super valuable. It's incredible. I'm definitely going to share the assessment yep. with others because I can think of so many, other, so many people right now, including myself, that could uh, utilize that. Totally. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jeffrey, for being on yes. the BizBros podcast. We really enjoyed the conversation, and hopefully we can reconvene down the road on another episode. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Thanks for awesome. having me. Thank you. And if you haven't yet, please follow us anywhere that you can find the BizBros. I could be Instagram, yes. LinkedIn, Facebook, and make sure to subscribe on any podcast marketplace. We look forward to seeing you in the next BizBros episode podcast. We'll See talk to you real soon.